All right, I gotta know. Yes, I'm about to activate it. No, 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 not that. What the hell does Cree mean? Well, actually, it means a lot of things. Um, loosely translated, it means uh, attention, listen up, concentrate. You who? Yes, in a manner of speaking. Huh. Okay. Here goes. Cree and Yoohoo, everybody. My name is Andrew. Welcome to the Cree Yoohoo podcast. We are at season five. Beep, 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 beep. Oh my god, how did we get here? It's been so long. What is it, episode 94 ish? Um, I've uh, got a cat here annoying me, and I'm gonna <laughs> read through my notes from the episode Enemies. It's the opener for season five, and it's a uh, Freaking pure action, awesome, Martin Wood, action-y, explosions, gunfight, running around, shots that have handheld, you know, running with the actors and stuff, and things falling over, and twists and turns, and thrills and spills and chills. It's so good. This is just Martin Wood at his best. The, the gunfighting against the replicators in this episode is so much fun. Can you guys hear the birds outside the window? They're back again. It's what happens when I try to record this around dusk. Maybe I should put my cat outside and they'll chase uh, chase them away. <laughs> anyway, in uh, Enemies, written by Robert C. Cooper, directed by Martin Wood, we begin with a previously in the episode Exodus from season four. We have immediately five points for Jacob Carter in the episode. Um... You all remember what happened in Exodus. We uh, got the Hatak, except it got some problems there. And <laughs> uh, we're trying to leave with the Tokro, but then we change that plan and blow up a sun and wipe out Apophis's fleet. And then suddenly we're stuck a bajillion light years from home. And it's just us and Apophis's big-ass mothership. Um, here, and so right in the start, we see uh, there's the Hatak that the uh, SG-1 has got. And then there's Apophis's mothership, which is gigantic, and they're closing in on each other, and we can see really clear, like, the, the big shot of the two ships. And they talk about this in the audio commentary for Double Jeopardy, um, but it's really seen clear here. The, the Hatak ship is three-sided. <laughs> Triple symmetry. Whereas the landing pads that they always land on... <laughs> are four-sided, because they're pyramids. <laughs> and they talk about, like, how they use kind of perspective to kind of obfuscate that when it's landing in the episode Double Jeopardy. <laughs> it's, 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 when you think about it, it doesn't work. Who the hell screwed that up? And to be honest, I wouldn't have even noticed. I thought Hataks were four-sided. Didn't, it didn't even occur to me. <laughs> anyway... The, how does the episode go? Stranded. The, nothing's working. The control crystals are fried and all of that stuff. It's classic Stargate. <laughs> Just, you know, check the fuse box, why don't you? <laughs> so we have the uh, communication with Apophis, the bickering, you know, we'll, you will surrender. No, then no, we don't. Maybe blah, blah, blah. 
It's the opening credits. Um, and guess what, guys? In season five, we still have the, the big mask of Ra in the opening credits. It's not the clip show anymore. <laughs> when is the clip show coming back at the, during the opening credits? I much prefer the clip show. Anyway, you know, something's happening. Something happens. All of a sudden, something. It's a, it's a third ship that appears. It's not explained, but we guess it's controlled by replicators or something. Attacks Apophis's ship. And I got it uh, two points as a reference here to Star Trek. All of this standing at the Paltex stuff, you know, detecting another ship inbound and 30 light parsecs in warp 9. <laughs> Engaging, overloading, hyperdriving, shield activators. Make it so. <laughs> All of this shit. <laughs> Phasers? Sorry, sir. Um, if we go to the plan of hide behind the sun, when in doubt, hide behind the coronasphere. <laughs> Jack is, um, reclining in this throne, in, in the, uh, the Peltec room, and I, I was, like, looking a little closely, why on earth is this throne covered in Greek letters, and more to the point, modern Greek letters? <laughs> And uh, it, it took me a moment to realize, I mean, modern Greek, that's just a mistake, because it should have been ancient Greek. But I realized, oh, it's it's Cronus who owned this ship. Cronus is, of course, a Greek god. Uh, so he's, you know, that's the civilization he sort of adopted as in the whole gold, you know, they all pretend to be a various human god. And if you look on the throne, there's a lot of Greek words there. I Now, I can... Ooh, barely read Greek. I can I can sound out the words, but I just don't know what a lot of them mean. But I can see for sure that some of the words um one it's repeated, it's the word chronos, and the, uh, if you're looking closely, give it a pause and look at that throne. It's the word that has X P horseshoe in horseshoe backwards Z. <laughs> now that's actually the X is kind of a sound in Greek. So that's chronos. Uh, um, the P is actually rho, which is an R sound. Um, the horseshoe is omega, which is an O sound. The N is N. <laughs> and the backwards Z-looking thing is sigma, which is uh, basically S. It's the capitalized version. So this is chronos. <laughs> it doesn't have an accent, but that's all right. Most Greek words do have accents. Um, and that's about the extent of my, my Greek speaking. Um, I, I've been trying to learn a little bit uh, for various reasons in my own life. I have a little, you know, guidebook, handy translations, and I, I've barely even, as you can see, mastered the alphabet. But the word Kronos is on that throne twice. Um, it basically, the, the gist, I can't make out the complete, 100% clear meaning of every word, but the gist is, here is the throne of Lord Kronos, and you really didn't need a label for that, I mean, that's just context. <laughs> um, anyway, <laughs> um, what's happening? Jack and, Dan and uh, Daniel Jackson are, uh, they're talking about uh, Teal'c, you know, maybe he's, he's not here, he's, he was on that ship, there's no hope for him. And just at the beginning here, I was like, ooh, what, what, a, what a story it would have been if they'd just written Teal'c out of season five. <laughs> Teal'c gone. You know, hell, he was never one of us anyway. <laughs> um, oh, my cat wants attention. Hello. Hello, hello. I want a pet. 
What are you doing? And you're looking out the window? Yeah? Hello? Um, we got one point one point for stock footage guys at the front gate of Cheyenne Mountain. And Gary Jones, five points, is saying receiving Toker IDC. And uh, Toker lady comes through. And just behind them as they're walking out of the gate room is uh, Martin Wood and Sergeant Siler. So there's five points and five points for Siler in a director cameo. And, of course, the big wrench. Whenever Major Wood is speaking with Sergeant Siler about technical matters in the background, there always has to be that gigantic wrench, and I fucking love this running joke so much. Um, the Toker lady says the plan worked, you know, just, this is all just the yada yada exposition to catch everybody up from the previous season, because there's been months in between, I guess. Um, the work, the, the plan worked so well that, uh, <laughs> uh, everything got blown up, including the people doing the plan. Um, but this scene, it's just so well directed. There's action and movement and interaction with the scenery, you know, all the scene is is them walking into the briefing room and giving exposition, but there's movement, there's stuff, you see everything, the base comes alive, because Martin Wood is the king of action directing. So good, so good. And Hammond has this wonderful line, you know, I'm gonna hold out hope a little longer, SG-1 has a surprisingly good habit of beating the odds. Well, also, all of their names are in the title sequence, you know, so they're gonna survive, okay? <laughs> I gave it ten wild card points, because, um, back on the, uh, the stranded Hatak, Jacob Carter and Samantha Carter walk back onto the bridge, and Jack and Daniel are just playing catch with a tennis ball? <laughs> it's just happening to be lying around? And, uh, anyway, it's back to business, where we, uh, the ship can move again, so we go over and look and see that Apophis's ship is empty, and we're gonna ring over and steal some control crystals and all of that nonsense, and, uh, <laughs> this funny line from Samantha Carter, uh, I'm having a good time now, sir, <laughs> running into danger, getting alien technology, pursued by replicators and gold and Jafar. <laughs> Anyway, oh no, replicators, and um, three minutes self-destruct, so Daniel Jackson's gonna have to fly the ship. <laughs> Gulp. Um, okie dokie. <laughs> and then this scene, I watched this like five times. This little shot slash scene, Jacob Carter's going, where are you? And then he hears gunfire and he runs over and, where are you? And then they all turn around and run back because they're being chased down a series of curving hallways by a shitload of replicators and they're firing their guns over their shoulder, up, down, sideways, in front, behind. Kabam, kabam, hit the rings, activate it. Go, go, go. It's so fucking good. Oh my God. Amazing action directing. Loving it. And then back on the other ship, I mean, it's a little hard to keep track of which ship is which, isn't it? Um, all that chit-chat about, hey, be more positive! <laughs> Stop being so negative. I recall somebody saying we weren't going to make it. Oh, sorry, Jack. At the time, it looked very much like we weren't going to make it. I want to be right. And all of that stuff. We are really entering the fun zone. Season 5, there is no more character development. All these characters are fully developed. All the actors are nicely settled into their little fucking... <laughs> I don't know. Uh, niches? <laughs> 
they are ready to be just fucking witty and bizarre and off the wall and just include all this banter. It's so wonderful. The Jack lines are so good. The awkward Daniel Jackson sort of background behaviors. <laughs> so good. Um, Daniel's like, come in engine room. <laughs> Another great line. I think we left him in charge once too often. <laughs> This is fucking funny shit. Um, and I noticed this episode was kind of... The teleplay was by Robert C. Cooper, um, but it kind of had a lot of input from uh, Joseph Malozzi and Paul Mulley and Brad Wright, so it's kind of a group effort. And I think a lot of the funny lines come from uh, the two boys, the two little new boys, Joseph Malozzi and Paul Mulley. Um Anyway, big news, Tilk is alive! I was revived in the sarcophagus. Of course, another SG-1 member survives and yet another death. <laughs> and I gave it eight more reference points, which is all the points I have left to give references, for egregious homage to open the, opening the cargo bay doors. <laughs> which, for fuck's sake, of course, is from 2001 A Space Odyssey, Open the Pod Bay Doors Hell. But, surprise, they let Tilk in, and he grabs the gun, and he's brainwashed, and um, he's holding them at gunpoint, and there's a push and swell point here. So, this is a great Series 5 arc that they just introduced right here. What if that we destroy Apophis, and now the main enemy for this whole season is Tilk? <laughs> Let's just hypothesize that that's going to happen. That would be so cool, because every time he would be, you know... He knows SG-1 and how they think, so every time he'd be one step ahead of them, and they'd always have to try and, you know, they believe in him, so they'd have to outwit him and never actually shoot to kill, you know? <laughs> Treat him with kid gloves and hope that they find the cure by the end of the season. Unfortunately, it's just a two-episode arc, but that would be a cool way to do a whole season, don't you think? Um, what do we got? At uh, O'Neill, more great lines, when Tilk says... Uh, <laughs> I was lying to you, yada yada. I've always been in the service of Apophis. It hurts me that you would say that. <laughs> O'Neill suddenly has a lot of emotional intelligence. <laughs> and, um, oh dear God, Jacob Carter is sneaking around more hallways. Back to the hallway sneaking, I am in hell. <laughs> Um, there's a one point for a push and swell on Apophis when he says, Teal'c, I know you won't fail me in capturing Selmak. Jacob is captured too, but then we find out the replicators are on board, so there's a push and swell on Teal'c when he's looking at them. And then, randomly, the replicators are frying all the circuit boards, and the prison door opens, and it's time for an escape. And um, Apophis is... Jafar servants of trying to fight the replicators, they get wiped out while he sort of sneaks out the side, which is very snaky and cold-like. And uh, it's to the uh, storage room, of course, to bust open a crate of towery weapons. Fucking explosives and P90s and combat vests. <laughs> All sorts of stuff. It is time for a fucking ten-minute gunfight to end an episode, which is the just the greatest tradition. These are the first episode of every season so far has had this. Just a hell of a big gunfight in the last ten minutes. Just kaboom, kablam. Um, I noticed that, you know, they ambush the party of Jafar, and they shoot live ammo at Teal'c. They're not zatting these Jafar. They're shooting... 
just unloading clip after clip of P90 ammo into these guys. Uh, what is it? 900 rounds a minute? 45 millimeter armor piercing rounds? I don't know. He says uh, O'Neill gives us the rundown on a P90, I think, in this series? Maybe the next series. Anyway, yada yada yada. Um, so anyway, now with this shooting at Tilg, let's let's go back a second. In the episode Entity, Samantha Carter got possessed by the computer virus thing, and Jack O'Neill zat gunned her, and then with a wincing grimace on his face, a second time. In you know, for to his knowledge, he was deliberately killing her with two zats, but for, you know, twist of fate, she managed to survive. And that's uh, the episode Entity. In the episode Scorched Earth, Daniel gets himself up into the alien ship just as Jack and Sam were going to rig the thing to overload and, and blow it up, and Jack presses the detonator, <laughs> as far as he knows, deliberately blows up Daniel, only for him to have miraculously escaped earlier. And now, in this episode, Enemies, he has deliberately shot Tilt right in the solar plexus with his green laser vision. So Jack O'Neill is now deliberately killed, and, uh, you know, to the best of his knowledge, every member of SG-1. <laughs> I hope somebody's keeping count of this. <laughs> I hope we're having a debriefing after this, and, you know, working through our team dynamics with some uh, psychiatric assistance. <laughs> so the new plan is the uh, good old uncontrolled re-entry into a planet. That'll blow up the ship. We did it in Small Victories. No, what was the one before Small Victories? Holy shit, I can't remember the name. And so we go to the engine room and we see that the little bugs have all formed together to make the big bug. And here it really looked like the... Uh, the giant flamethrower bug from Starship Troopers. I don't know if you know that one. On the planet P. <laughs> it's the one where Rico jumps on its back, blasts a hole in its in its exoskeleton with his uh, marine auto cannon, and then chucks a grenade in there, and it goes kaboom, and everybody's covered in bug slop. That's the bug it looks like from Starship Troopers. Starship Troopers is a good fucking movie. Maybe we should watch that for the next Between the Seasons. Anyway, fuck yeah, blasting bugs left, right, center, running through all the hallways. The, the Daniel and Sam and Jack are doing the, you know, one, two, three, every one person retreats at a time, falling back. The bugs are still coming. The bugs are still coming. Oh dear God, the bugs are still coming. <laughs> and, you know, in the nick of time, all, you know, the plan works, as you would expect, because it's Stargate, Escape in the little uh, cargo ship, and Apophis, unfortunately, is stuck with bugs crawling all over his personal defense shield. and <laughs> screams, Arr! as he goes in and goes kablooey. Scratch one more gold on the uh, dead list. And then right at the end of the episode, the little coda, one last problem, Tilk. Tilk has been brainwashed. We're going to have to deal with this one. So in the end, I gave it 43 points for this episode. And then at the very, very end, I made a decision. This There kind of is another five points due because there is that, like, 
I don't know, 45 seconds where we believe that Tilk is okay and he's all right, but he's deceiving us and he's been, he's not who we think he is. So that brings it up to 48 points total. And in the audio commentary, there is so much good stuff. It's just like a good chat about filmmaking with Martin Wood and James Tishner. Um, but you're not really missing a whole lot of vital info or anything. And um, yeah, so that is Enemies. Thank you so very much for listening. Queen you.